This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome to the Varsity Club podcast. The Night King is dead. The bubonic plague is apparently back. And the Knicks are going to whiff on all of their free agents because the Nets now have two max slots and are going to sign Kyrie and Kevin Durant. And the Knicks just traded away Chris Jobs Porzingis so that they can piss their fans off this summer. They're very good at that. It's a great time. Yeah. It's a great time. Yes. Spoiler alert, I guess, for anybody. Should I open it with that? I'm not, I'm not, I don't care. I'm not going to change it. Jacob Padilla is on the other side of the table. This is the third podcast I've done in seven days, and this is the first time I've had you on the podcast in a long time. Yes, uh, I will say the uh, the. I don't last... think I've actually seen you in a long time. Yeah, it has. Well, this is the first week I've been down to Lincoln um, since I can't even remember when. Um, down here for the volleyball nations league, uh, got some former Huskers over there playing for the United States. So, but outside of that, I've really had no reason to come down to Lincoln. So good to see you again. <clears throat> No reason to come. You just you just work here. <laughs> We're recording this on a Thursday. I'm actually going to the game tonight, the uh, U.S. versus Brazil game. So ah, should be fun. It should be interesting. I have read that there is a budding rivalry between the two nations on, vo- on the volleyball court, so I'm excited about that. Yeah, it, currently the uh, U.S. is ranked third and Brazil is ranked fourth, although those rankings well, were made go. in October and have not been updated. Also, Brazil lost to Germany. That feels suboptimal. Yeah. Brazil also lost to Germany in their first match this week. So, the rankings haven't been updated since October. Correct. That's I guess how the FIVB rankings work. Is it just once a year? Is it like I twice a year? Like, what is the frequency with which they update these rankings? I have no idea, but that's what it says on the website. All right, cool. Uh, let's talk basketball because. <laughs> Like I said, I've done three podcasts in the last week, and uh, in the last week, Isaiah Roby has announced that he is sticking in the NBA draft, and we haven't talked about it at all. So I want to have you on the podcast. I tried to get Kevin O'Connor from The Ringer. He was my first choice, and I didn't even get a response back from him, so you were my second choice. But I'm happy to have you I'm here. number two. I'm <laughs> number two. I'm happy to have you. What was well, I, I guess I can't be mad at that because you tried to have me on – was it last week or two weeks ago? And I just you totally, didn't even answer the I message. I totally forgot to respond. <laughs> I did, yeah, yes, because I wanted to do it with all the Hail Varsity writers, and Aaron was not available, and you didn't even answer the Slack <laughs> message. So at least I you answered jerk. this time. I completely forgot about that. We could have just skated on by and not not brought that up. And man, now I don't feel bad about saying you were my number two choice. <laughs> Isaiah Roby is staying in the draft. Yes, Does that surprise you. No, um, I think. Why talk I, about that? Uh, I think he made it clear from like the first time he spoke after put his name in the draft that um, he was entering the process with the intent to stay in, and the only real reason he would come back is if he didn't hear the kind of feedback that he needed to hear. And I uh, caught up with him after the uh, NBA Combine to discuss that whole process and 
what he was hearing from teams and everything. And basically the, the common theme from all the response was he's an NBA player. And I think that's what he needed to hear. And so um, you kind of look at we're starting to see uh, different outlets update their mock drafts now. It's starting to expand into second rounds now. And I think that um, the 36, 37, kind of that range seems to be the uh, the, the common landing point for him right now. Um, with uh, And everybody's mentioned potential to sneak up there at the tail end of the first round. But I think that, that about 27 to 40 range is kind of what we're looking at for him right now. And um, with the way that the NBA draft is working now where – most of those um, American drafted and second round picks are getting guaranteed contracts. Um, it's a little bit different than it used to be where um, guys, if you're not a first round pick, you go back to school. Now you can come out, get your money and develop within an NBA uh, program as opposed to coming back and trying to crack the first round. So um, that's what he's going to do. The number that I keep referencing is uh, Rodian's Kuroots. Yes, the Brooklyn Nets. I just butchered his name, but he was that, you, that was actually. Pretty I think good, I got the I last name right. Yeah. I don't. I don't know how to pronounce the first name. Uh, pick number forty in last year's draft, and he got a four-year, um, a four-year deal worth almost seven million, just shy of seven million dollars, with three years guaranteed. Yeah. So, the and we've talked about this a ton. The two-way contracts and 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 the guys that have had second-round pick success have really kind of changed things. So. Um, do you think it's? I was think I was thinking about this. So I mentioned the the Nets traded um, a big contract that they had in the draft pick so they could free up cap space to sign two max contracts. And if they want two max slots, they would have to renounce the rights of D'Angelo Russell, yeah, who had a really good season last year. And I started thinking about him, talented player, but he might fall into kind of that limbo area where. A team doesn't bring him back because they're chasing bigger fish and then he gets a, a smaller deal to a team that maybe he's not as good a fit on he's about to be on his third team in what five years yeah. something like that yeah. and I was wondering I, I was kind of thinking to myself what 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 does that do to his his like career path in the NBA and, and does he, he had a, a pretty good trajectory going for himself does that now come back down to earth a little bit and I was wondering about fit and just finding the right team because Brooklyn felt like the right team and I don't maybe he doesn't find the right team in free agency does Isaiah my whole kind of thought process (laughs) for bringing this up does Isaiah need to find the right team and the right fit and a team that's going to invest in him and commit to him for him to have a successful NBA career or from the people you've talked to from you know hearing from what Isaiah heard do you think that he is an NBA player that can carve out a role for himself, even if he's not starting out in the most ideal situation? Yeah. Um, fit, I think, is probably the most important thing for all but the top tier of talent in the league. Like there, like you mentioned, even a guy, DeAndre Russell, lottery pick, top five pick, has had a good career. Um, but even he, like you said, now teams are trying to uh, – get a kind of move on from him get a he's better not option Kyrie yeah Irving and, exactly and he's gonna lose his job because of it um so even a guy that talented that has had success in the league even he is struggling to kind of find the right place for him and um 
and there are development questions about him as kind of one of your top guys that you're going to have to pay. So um, I, I think fit is probably the most important thing in this day and age for in terms of guys going on to have successful careers. And Isaiah Roby, I think, is a poster child for that kind of situation here. And um, I don't think Nebraska necessarily ended up being the, the best fit for him in terms of a developmental standpoint. Um, I, I think he there probably could have gotten more out of him. Um, the, the injuries early on in his career certainly set him back, but um, I, I don't think we necessarily saw him develop um, to his max potential um, at Nebraska, even within the three years that he was here. Um, and so that Those was two statements made side by side are just wild. The <laughs> Isaiah Roby is the poster child for what the NBA is looking for in a draftable prospect, followed with Nebraska didn't develop him properly. So the uh, the poster child comment was for the play the fit reliant player is what I was trying to oh, say. Okay, okay. Um, he is exactly the kind of guy that you're talking about that fit will determine what his career ends up okay. being because right now he's not an NBA player in terms of what he is right now and what he can produce. Um, he uh, just wasn't nearly consistent enough at Nebraska. The shot didn't fall enough, um, wasn't physical enough. There are a lot of areas in, the, uh, in which he needs to improve in order to compete at that level. But there's no reason he can't do that. He's got enough of a baseline in those areas in which to build off of. So if he lands in a good development system um, that can help him make progress both physically in terms of a skill set and um, body-wise as well as mentally in terms of being able to read the floor and seeing, knowing what he uh, is happening on the floor and being able to react to that because both those areas um, he needs to make some progress in, which is why he's being looked at as a second-round pick right now as opposed to a sure first-round pick because physically he's got everything that you look for in terms of a modern four in the league. Um, he just hasn't had the production to go with that to this point. Do you buy that he can sneak into the first round, or do you think that's just NBA teams kind of posturing and positioning themselves? Um, I, I guess I'd be surprised, more surprised than not if he did, but I, I mean, towards the tail end there, um, if it's really about which teams kind of fall in love with you, and I know he's he's he met and worked out for the Golden State Warriors. Um, at least that was his plan. Like if someone like if they see enough there that they think, hey, we can really put him in our system, develop him, and he can help us down the road. They um, like but, drafting springy forwards. Yeah, so God, uh, I would hate that so much. <laughs> so there are a couple of teams like that that he has worked out for or and or met with um, at the combine in that kind of twenty-five through thirty range um, that maybe. Um, they kind of like you know what we're just gonna gonna take the risk here and go for this guy because we like what we see. Um, but I think at this point, probably early second round is more off more likely than not. You know whose mold he also fits? Who the Thunder? <laughs> the, there, there's no doubt about that. A springy, like long, strong defender who doesn't shoot very well. Athlete who may be able to shoot down the road, but doesn't uh, right now. <laughs> he's the Thunder to at. I would you be surprised at all if he ended up being Jeremy Grant, like having that kind of a career, being that kind of player? I don't think he's at he's as athletic as Jeremy Grant, but I like I just gave him a hard time for not being a shooter. I think his shot mechanics are I think really good. Yes, and very very good. That gives you uh, confidence and hope that he could eventually become. Yep, he what, shot forty like percent. 
38 to 40% shooter in the NBA? Sophomore year, he shot 40%. Um, it was on a small, vo- uh, low volume, but that's that shows that he's um, got the potential, at least, to knock down their shots. He hit some shots off the dribble this year. His, his shooting numbers off the dribble, like I was listening to a, a podcast um, from the crew over at the Stepien. Um, shout out to those guys who do a great job. But uh, his, like, you look at his synergy numbers off uh, on shooting off the bounce, and he's actually quite good at that like almost better or as good shooting off the dribble as, as he is off the catch so um that, that at least shows that they the the ability to hit shots is there um I think it and I talked to um Sam Vecini the athletics draft guy about it, and he also said that, yeah the, the mechanics are beautiful I think uh it's just a matter of reps because he is a guy who changed his shot um, th- this is not the shot he had when he got to Nebraska. As a freshman, it was a little bit uglier, a little bit slower. They definitely did some work and reworked that shot a little so bit. Does Tim get credit for that? Then? Yeah, good. Yes, um, and I think he worked with a lot of people back home as well, and he worked hard on it to improve. And then we saw it as a sophomore year where it paid dividends. And for whatever reason, this year it didn't go in nearly as often. But um, that I definitely think the the shooting upside is there. He's not a complete non-shooter, and even as poorly as he shot, he still shot thirty three percent this year. So um, it's kind of like it's not like he shot twenty five percent, couldn't make anything at all. He shot better than James he wasn't Palmer, shooting like James at yes. the beginning of the season. <laughs> and I I do think that James's struggles at the beginning of the season had a trickle down effect, and they impacted kind of Glenn and Isaiah also. Yeah, I think all those guys just never quite found out the best way to play together, way to get into the rhythm. And Which sucks because individually there was a lot of talent there. It, no doubt. Um, so Isaiah is out of the picture now. Yes. And Because you asked Fred about the early entrant deadline, that, that May 29th deadline, and I was kind of wondering if he would say, if, he, if Fred would take the approach of, I wish it was uh, further down the road. So, or maybe say that, you know, I wish guys could go through the process. If they don't get drafted, then they can come back. I wish that that was actually a thing that was approved. Um, but he said that he would want it earlier, Yeah. which I was not expecting. But then when I read back through the quote that you sent, um, it makes sense from a coaching standpoint yes. and from a roster construction standpoint. He wants to have kind of – I mean, he wants to know – how many scholarship spots he has and whatnot so you don't get into that situation where they you know go one over like they did and be like okay we're crossing our fingers that he's gone um I guess from Fred's point of view do you think that you mean you would obviously want Isaiah Roby that talent but do you think that um his approach now is just okay well shrugs his shoulders let's get to work yeah or do you think it's more uh darn we really lost a good player yeah, um, I, I, of all the guys that are coming back, um, Deshaun Burke. Um, oh, the guys? Kinda not, There's two. No, that's of all the guys that could have come back, okay. I guess, is um, how I should phrase that. Because um, I, I, I got this, like someone responded to one of my tweets on Twitter saying, does, like asking, does Fred even want Roby back? Because he kicked everybody else out. Um, and I definitely think that was the case. He definitely wanted him back, unlike some of those other guys. He had both the talent and the the style to fit into what Hoiberg wanted to do. Um, so I definitely think he would have liked to have him back, but I also think even based off his early discussions with Roby, I think he expected that um, that he was going to end up staying in the draft. And I think based on all the info that 
Hoiberg had. That's why we saw them take that Samari Curtis and Derek Walker and fill up those scholarships because they assumed that uh, it wasn't going to come back because it, it definitely would have been kind of a, um, a messy situation if you're asking, like, um, Thor, had, yeah. You would have to do an about face and tell Thor, oh, it, by the way, you actually don't have a spot. Exactly, and um seemed like they did that once before already, and if you keep doing that, <laughs> it might, like, how does how would Isaiah feel coming back taking one of his old teammates' scholarships? Like, I, I think once they filled up those scholarships, that was pretty much, yeah, they know he's not coming back. Because, That's a good point. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. It's like Isaiah's not the kind of guy that would, that would like, uh, sorry, Thor, go back respond home. Respond to that yeah, well. Exactly. So I, I think that at, at that point, I, um, and then knew, knew for sure that he wasn't coming back because he gave all the media a heads up uh, about when he was going to announce it and asked <laughs> us not to release it. And one of the people who he told ended up not, um, not either paying attention to that part of the message or not caring and just put that put it I'm out immediately. I'm going to assume that he didn't care. Yeah. Well, because Isaiah's done in college, so he doesn't have to worry about burning that bridge anymore, apparently. Yeah, we, don't but, need, uh, we don't need to give Rothstein any. Yeah. So, anyway. I'm, any more attention. <sighs> all right. Let's move on. <laughs> Try to be nuts. So, Roby is out the door. Fred has a full roster. He has 13 scholarship players. And he also has, is it three walk-ons Three walk-ons now. Three walk-ons. The newest guy, Brett Porter. You just got an interview and a story up with him on HaleVarsity.com, so um, go read that if you haven't already. Full full roster, 16 guys. Do you see holes in this roster? Do you see potential for um, a good season? Do you see a possibly um, tough season coming? What do you what do you see when you look at this roster in June? Yeah, the uh, the the one hole I see is experience in the front court and particularly in the middle. And you alluded to this earlier. I asked Fred about expectations for in particular for the two young bigs he signed, um, Ivan Wojdrago, um, the kid who's going to be 17 years old, basically the whole season. I don't believe it. He's 20. <laughs> who is apparently. Um, Hoiberg six nine two sixty. Yeah, that that's what um, he was Mini listed LeBron. at. Yeah, he was listed at that on the uh, the release. Hoiberg called him six eight two sixty five during the Big Red Blitz. So I don't I don't think anybody knows what he's actually. I don't think he's, he's seventeen. <laughs> I don't think he's seventeen. But uh, so you he got is. him we need coming to go to in France and get yeah. in their strength program. And then Kevin Cross, who was listed at six eight two forty on uh, on the release when he signed with Nebraska, who Hoiberg called six six. So um, I'm not quite sure what's there, but six six two forty, six eight two forty, whatever. But those are the only two real post size bodies that you have. And the question is, how much can you expect out of them early? And if you don't. If they can't give you much early, then what do you do? And Hoiberg um, was kind of kind of dodge a question a little bit. Said he's coming in with an open mind for everybody on the team because he hasn't really gotten to work out with any of these guys outside of basically Deshaun Burke and Thor, um, the only guys that were here in the spring. Um, so he he kind of didn't really want to answer the question, which is understandable because I don't think he can answer the question at this point. Um, uh, so that's the question. If those guys can't give you much, then you're looking at playing. And then Shamil Stevenson is a question mark as well. Um, the transfer from Nevada and Pitt, who 
um, would need a waiver to be eligible for the first semester. I also asked Fred about that, and he kind of was noncommittal about it, mentioned that's something they're going to look into, but uh, didn't want to speak to it directly. So I assume that's something that's going to happen, and based on his circumstances, both his coaches have left him. Um, so I would think that's a waiver that they could get pretty easily just based on kind of the trend going now. But if you don't, if he can't play until mid-December, then you're going to be – then what do you – you're playing – what Monte Cavas at six eight two two hundred at center? You're playing um, Hanif Cheatham at six five one ninety at the power forward spot. Um, it's, I, not, it's not ideal. They're no. going to be very small. Yeah. Um, so I I definitely think we'll see a little bit of that um, where you go four or five out uh, in in terms of guards and. Um, I, I wonder how that's going to work defensively, and that's why he brought Doc Sadler back to figure that out. But um, at a certain point, even a genius has to have the, the right pieces to work with. So it'll be fascinating to see how that works out. But um, that's the one question. Are they going to be able to match up physically well enough to hold their own defensively and on the boards? Or will they be able to shoot well enough and run fast enough to where they win out even with that disadvantage? Do you think... I think that's the plan. Yeah. I think it's just we're just going to outscore you. Do you think they can do that in year one? Uh, it's it's that's hard to question. know because we never we haven't got to see most of these guys play. Um, and uh, Such I, I'm a cop out answer. Oh, don't cop uh, out. Of course. Well, uh, I'm very high on Cam Mack and Gervais Green and also Deshaun Burke as a heck of a three man trio to kind of build around. Um, and Mate Cavas is one of the best shooters in the country. I really um, like him. I kind of detailed that, but um, right, I, you did the the synergy series. Yeah. Was it yeah. synergy or was Correct. it spectrum? Yeah, synergy. Synergy, premium stats piece. Jacob had went through all the newcomers, right? Yep. Yeah, go read it on hillbarcy dot com. Uh-huh. Very good. Yeah, and Mate's numbers are absurd. Yeah, and uh, I think I'm gonna probably have to kind of forgot about. I'm probably gonna have to do one on Deshaun Burke as well. Um, reach out and kind of get that up because. Obviously, he wasn't. He didn't join the program this year, but he has previous experience elsewhere that we can look at. Um, mm-hmm. So keep an eye out for that. But um, yeah, so I like those three. But like Cavas, um, part of that, I looked at his numbers against um, high major teams, and it was not quite the same. He didn't shoot forty six percent from three against high majors. It was kind of more in the the average shooting range. It's obviously a small sample size, but that's what we have to go off of. Now he's going to be trying to make make these shots in the Big Ten. Um, so you've got you still don't know quite what you're going to get out of him Hanif Cheatham I, I think he's solid I don't think he's a difference maker necessarily um, I haven't been particularly high on him he hasn't been healthy um, uh, to his credit um, Hope it sounds like he's healthy now so maybe um, that'll kind of springboard into a, a great senior season but so there's some pieces that I'm definitely quite, uh, I think are a little bit questionable questionable um but i definitely like that 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 backcourt and i think they'll have one of the better backcourts um in the conference at least um obviously michigan state with um uh, the guys they've got yeah and joshua langford will be back and um so they i think they're kind of sitting at the top of the league there but um nebraska i think will have the guards to compete for sure it's just whether enough they can get enough out of those other guys those um kind of supporting pieces to win as much as they would like in this first season the way i see it happening i think that the offense is just going to be so guard driven it's going to be 
just a lot of pick and roll and drive and kick. Yeah. Do you do you think that they can have? Because, like you said just a couple minutes ago, you're really high on Cam Mack and, yeah. and Jervé Green, and I am too. And I think that they can. I think Fred Hoiberg can do some interesting stuff with those two guys. Do you think that um, offensively the pieces are there? Actually, no. I'll phrase it this way. I was going to ask about yeah. 16 win season because yeah. that was what they got to in their yep. first year at Iowa State. They were exactly 500. Do you, if if they did that again this year, would you count that as a success given the fact that they completely turned the roster over and some of these guys we don't know if they're going to be playing right now if they turn around and and have a 16 win season and and it looks optimistic? Do you you count that as a success? So uh, th- that's a tough one to answer. I don't necessarily know if I'd call it a success. Um, I don't think it would be um, a disaster or a big disappointment if they ended up around 500. Um, we still don't know the, the conference uh, or the non-conference schedule yet. So um, kind of we'll see how light or heavy that's going to be. Will there be wins to kind of rack up there? Um, we've already seen uh, Georgia Tech is uh, Nebraska's draw on the ACC Big or Big Ten ACC Challenge, so they're not exactly a stalwart. Um, so th- there's still a lot of question marks in terms of win total, but I think I kind of wrote about this as well. Um, this isn't like he went about putting together this first team differently than he did his first Iowa State team, where you had the four or five guys sitting out that first year. So like the big gets he got like Royce White and some of those other guys, they sat out that first year, and he basically got guys that could help him right away just to kind of get by. Like he had a grad transfer from um, Northern Iowa, I believe, who um, was one of his uh, top couple of players, and you had Deontay Garrett coming back as his best player and one or two other guys. So um, I think that was kind of more just like, hey, we're going to get through this first year, and then once we get these guys eligible, we'll be really ready to take off. Considering the fact that he had two grad transfers, that he had two junior college players, um, that you've got a guy like Deshaun Burke coming off a redshirt, I think he sees this team having more of a chance to compete right away um, compared to that Northern Iowa team. But like he, he said a few different times when people talk to him, he hasn't seen these guys together yet at all. So he has no idea what to expect. He's going in with an open mind. But I think this roster was put... Um, together with the thought that hey, we're just going to go out there and see what we can do. I don't necessarily think that um, he was kind of looking at this as a lost year or a bridge year, kind of like he did at uh, Iowa State. Interesting that he might think that the ceiling might be higher than some expect. Because I, I mean, I think the expectation for a lot of people is probably either a, a losing season or hovering around 500. And you keep it. It's so like. It's nice to talk about this team right now, and because of the fact that there was basketball news, like we should talk about yeah. the team right now, but it's also so hard because we haven't seen any of yeah. the players, and also he hasn't seen any of the players, and also, like you said before we started recording, he didn't even have a house until like a week <laughs> ago, and I saw him at Target yesterday buying a tower fan and a trash can, so he's like in the process of moving in and like getting his home situated. Yeah, his kids so aren't like, even here yet. They won't be here until like August or something. There's like nothing about this team that, that anybody knows right now. And it's completely different it very, from last year. So yeah. you can't like the previous – so what they went 19 and 16 or whatever last year, that's completely irrelevant to what they're going to do next year. So there's no kind of base – like even at that Iowa State his first year, he still had Deontay Garrett. He had Scott Christopherson. 
um, and uh, Vanderbeek, and I think, or whatever his name is. Um, uh, had those guys coming back, so you had kind of some core pieces from the, the the year previously. So you knew and I had an idea of what you were starting with, and then the question was, where do you get get out of the new guys? There is nothing you're starting with here. They're all new guys. Everybody here, um, even the guys that have contri- or produced at certain levels, they've, they've, none of them have produced at this level. Um, so there's no nothing that you can draw direct um, comparisons to. Right, Deshaun was at he what was he close to eighteen and he's like five yeah, 20, five 20 a game. Like uh, it wasn't at Robert, but it was at Robert yeah, Morris. exactly. Um, and so he was in that featured role as a number one guy with not a lot around him, forcing shots, whatever. Um, again, Monte Cabas was playing at Seattle. Um, Hanif Cheatham played 10 games at Florida I Gulf hear they Coast. have great fan support up there in Seattle. Great basketball support in, in the city of Seattle. <laughs> That's what I hear. That's what I've been told. I haven't been up there. But I have been told that there is tremendous fan support for the sport of basketball in Seattle. All right, let's move on. <laughs> you, just, you don't want to get into that? Just, just OKC fan over here <laughs> rubbing it into Seattle fans' faces that they don't have their team anymore. I just want to point out that if they had supported the team while it was there, it would still be there. And I also want to point out that if the Thunder, if the Sonics had gone to Oklahoma City and been trashed for like five years, nobody in Seattle would care. It's because we were really good. That's why they care. That's why they're mad at us. I will take that to my grave. I think it's also because they had Kevin Durant that first year, and then uh, he left. So it's not even like yeah, well, it's a completely different We had different Kevin Durant, team. too, and he left. You also stole so, Nick Collison from them. Jordan so, Anyway. Stole yeah. Nick Collison from them. He might be the first person who has ever said that in the history of basketball talk. Ever. Ever. Hey, that, one more, one more that thing. That is my brand. One more thing I want to get your, uh, your thoughts on. The NCAA announced this week that they were moving the three-point line back. Um, what was it at? Twenty feet nine inches. Correct. And they are moving it to the international line. Twenty-two, one and three quarters. Yep, I believe. Yep. Yep. Uh, a couple of rule changes that also kind of went under the radar because uh, everybody focused on the three-point yeah. line was they reset. Uh, they approved shot clock reset to twenty seconds after offensive rebounds that hit the rim. Um, that's good. That's yeah. that's fine to to speed up the pace of the game. Coaches are also now allowed to call live ball timeouts in the last two minutes of regulation and overtime. The three-point line thing. The justification is they want to decongest, um, or, or they want to. They want to. What is it? They want to increase action inside, and they want to. Uh, what was the phrasing that they used? Slow the. Okay, I found it. Slow the trend of the three-point shot becoming too prevalent in men's college basketball. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, I. I'm clearly very upset about yes. this. What are your thoughts on this? Um, I. I don't really mind it. Um, I, I I don't have strong feelings one way or the other. Not not quite like you. I did read your uh, um, lover hate, and it was definitely one of the hate topics. It was when, it's stupid before it happened. Um, see, I it, it it is kind of interesting that like why are you choosing the international line? Um, like either go all the way with the NBA or leave it as it is. Um, that I don't really get. Also, why is the international line a, a three quarters of an inch? Probably something to do with the metric system I'm using over there, but still, I, I don't quite understand that. Um, but anyway, I I don't know what exactly it will change dramatically. Um, I guess we'll have to see there. Um, 
it's going to be a little bit tougher shot now. Um, guys well, are going to have to adjust to it, but I think guys will adjust to it. Um, no, I mean, heck, already they have plenty of guys that shoot from well beyond the arc. Um, here's why I think it's dumb. They experimented with it in the NIT this last year, so Nebraska dealt with it in yeah. the NIT. And the results, on average, teams were attempting more threes per game during the NIT tournament than they did during the regular season, and they were shooting it at a worse rate in the NIT than they did during the regular season. That is a worse product, first yeah. of all. Yes. Just, let's. I want to put that out there. Kit, by moving the line, like, I don't understand moving it, like you said, to the international line and not the NBA line. Yeah. I don't understand, like, if if your goal is to take the kids that, I don't know, aren't hitting it and have them stop, like, put it at the NBA line where they're not going to hit it at all and they're going to get themselves pulled if they yeah. take it. But the kids that are going in the NBA, they're still going to take it. They're still they're taking it from there anyway. Yeah. Put it at the NBA line so that it's like a – it's teams that are scouting them know what they're going to look like shooting from the three-point line, so that yeah. would help as well. Also, I don't understand why we're not moving the women's back too. Why do we move the men's and not the women's? So we could but, go – But you, why are the women still we're using quarter – why is men's college basketball the only place in the world outside of like AAU that uses halves? Because the NCAA like, is stupid. Yeah. We could right. go to a court that – that shares both a college program and an NBA team, and there would be three lines on the floor. <laughs> it's It'd be a nightmare. Yeah. So here's here's my big issue with this, and it go it come it's like the fundamental reason that they are moving the line, and I have a massive issue with it. They're moving the line because they're they want to slow down, the, like they said, slow down the trend of three point shooting in college basketball. Which, in effect, that means they want to try to slow it down at all levels of the game. Yeah. That's that's the goal. Yeah. I don't understand that. I don't understand why we're trying to get rid of the three-point shot. If if Steph Curry is going to re- be remembered for anything from his career, it's the fact that this unathletic, shorter-than-everybody-else kid took the game and opened it up to an entirely new realm of person that it was not available to before. Because before, it was all about you have to be incredibly tall, you have to be really long, to be effective. You have to be a guy like Kevin Durant or a guy like LeBron James to be a really good player in the NBA. Here's this six-foot kid that's not very athletic. That He's 6'3". Whatever. He's short. Bad ankles, not athletic, and he's got teammates calling him the second-best player of all time. Like, he fundamentally changed the game. And in doing so, it opened it up for kids everywhere who are shorter, not very athletic, but are good shooters that can now play the game and now have a have a... a future playing the game and potential to play the game long term that maybe they wouldn't have had 20 or 30 years ago why is that a bad thing no i i agree with you and i personally don't have a problem with kind of the way the game's evolving we're just learning how to be smarter about the game but uh, i i think the the fear is um like kirk kirk goldsberry um uh, talked about and wrote about his book whatever is a homogenization of the game and kind of trending to where there's only really one way that everybody plays and all that stuff. And one, I don't think it'll get to that point. But two, um, I, as soon as it does, then somebody else will make up the the next innovation and figure out the next way to do it and do it better. Guys. Yes, like and, everybody had a post player, a dominant yeah. post player. You just throw the ball in and let him do work. Um, so yeah, I, so I don't. I'm not as opposed to, but. You mentioned how, yeah, the guys are still going to take the shots. Now they're just going to make it as much. It will. The funny thing is this will actually 
put a premium on the ability to hit that shot and make those guys even more important than they were previously. Um, so that this actually increasing the importance of three-point shooting and, and guys that can hit it from the new range. But also, it, it might look ugly for the time being, but it's kind of it's like the, the freedom of movement, movement rules. Like, man, how bad were those games when they first installed those rules? And both the, the officials kind of loosened up on the call and teams adjusted to it and ended up getting better to the point where it kind of brought about the, the desired result. So I think that's what we'll see too as well, where some guys, the teams will adjust to the new line. It's not going to be like guys are going to just suddenly everybody's going to shoot 25% from three or whatever. The guys that can make it will, will keep shooting at high volume. The guys that can't will either learn how to or they'll stop. So I, th- I think maybe it'll be a little ugly at first, but like that, the, the NIT, the sample size is so small for that. Um, it depends on what the teams are and what the situation is. And again, sample size. So that's, while that is kind of some worth taking a look at, I also don't think that's uh, a guarantee that that's what's going to happen is everybody's going to drop um, over the long haul. What do you think the more likely scenario is that kids that can't or kids that aren't making it will stop shooting it or they will just stay in the gym a little bit longer and learn how to shoot it further? Um, well, I mean, you, because I think the more likely scenario is kids are going to just stay in the gym a little bit longer yeah. and learn how to shoot. They're not going to stop, exactly. which is the goal of moving it. it yeah. They're not going to stop three-point no. shooting. No. Until well, Steph retires, they're not going to stop three-point shooting. Well, and long beyond Steph, because that's just the math, and that's the way, like, three is worth more than two. Um, I, again, that's 150%. That's why I've never understood playing ones and twos well, in, in pickup. You, is you, it just... It's so it changes the game so completely, and because um, it's double the points, so why ever shoot ones or whatever? Like in the NBA, that's kind of the math that people are falling with. Except, um, so now it's 150 percent of uh, the shots. And well, you mentioned Kurt Goldsberry's book, and there are some graphs in there where the mid range is down, like NBA average is around like 0. 0.8, yeah. four points per possession in that mid range, kind of just below the arc, whereas three point shots are. Like they are worth three points. Yeah. So when you look at a points per possession of like one point one or one point two yeah. or whatever that is, like it doesn't look like it like looks like a bad shot, yeah. but in context with everything else, it's a great shot. Yeah. And that's why everybody's taking it. Yeah. That, that, and that's exactly right. And um, it's going to continue that way um, as long as teams can make it and teams will, kids will can uh, they'll keep putting a, a premium on that. And like I said that moving the arc back will just make those guys that can hit it more important more valuable so kids will want to be that guy more and more they'll work harder for it so i I'll, it'll be interesting to see what change this actually makes long term um but i mean i it's just it just is what it is um i I'm, i don't hate it one way or the other it's just something the game's gonna have to adjust to and it's constantly evolving and that's kind of that's why i love it is teams are always finding new ways to do things um and that's one of the beauties of sports you explained your point eloquently, calmly, and I'm over here like fumbling over my words, like old man yelling in the wind. Whatever. I don't know. I, I we're gonna see a ton of them this year, so no doubt about that. He said that quite often. Gonna see a lot of threes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fans that are that have been used to the Tim Miles and the Doc Sather eras, you're in for a complete and total culture shock. Um, 
personally, I enjoy up-tempo space, uh, space and pace basketball, so I'm very much looking forward to this change. But if you're not used to it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be uh, quite a, a difference from what um, we've seen recently in Lincoln. Logo Lillard! We need to come up with a name for Gervais Green. And it Let's, needs to be something to do with, like, green light. He's got I, the green light. Yeah, I thought about it as well. But he's yeah. got to actually make a shot at Nebraska first or play a second or get on the court. I'm just saying, whoa. Give him give it time killer. to develop. Hype Let him Because the nickname will come with him playing. Because right now he's just a, kind of a theory. It's like, yeah, this is what we think he's going to be, but he hasn't done it yet. So it's hard to come up with a actual accurate and – appropriate nickname for a guy who has not played at this level yet just give him the green light yes i agree with that (laughs) all right jacob you got work you got to do i have dinner that i have to go eat before we go to this volleyball match so um good talking to you thanks for coming on the podcast thanks for having me i'm glad i actually responded this time yeah i'm glad you responded as well we'll be back next week at the regularly scheduled time with another podcast keep with govarc.com for all of your Husker news and needs. Thanks, guys.